It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Strata Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Welcome to Late Lunch on the eve of the eve of Valentine's. Uh, we have a lovely loved up show ahead for you over the next couple of hours. Roses are red, violets are blue. Yes, I crack up listening to you, says Kay. Thank you. Here's another one. Most poems rhyme, but this one doesn't. I like that one because it makes no sense. Rosa Red, Violets and Blue. Your mother was good looking. What happened to you? I beg your pardon, Helen. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And another one there after Valentine's Day. The chocolates are for you, says Jamie. Keep them coming to me and you never know. There could be something in the pot for you on late lunch today. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. Welcome. Welcome again this Friday afternoon and let's get straight to business because when I tell you that my first guest today I can truly call a good friend. Monica McInerney marks her 21st year as a published author with book number 13 called The Godmothers. Monica is married to an Irishman and lives in Dublin but has been back home in Australia since early last year and because of Covid she hasn't been able to return to Ireland. So earlier today I spoke with Monica in Adelaide, beginning by suggesting to her that the new book is a perfect foil for those of us dreaming of faraway places. Look, I really hope so. It's funny, isn't it? Like I've spent um, about two years writing The Godmothers, and, and it's, a, it's a book following a young woman called Eliza who travels from Australia in search of um, truth about her, her troubled mother and also to find out um, who her father was. So it's a, it's a family mystery and a family drama and lots of comedy in it as well. But it's also got so much international travel. And it's been really funny. It came out in Australia in, in October, um, you know, when we were coming out of all of our lockdowns here. And, um, and you know, thrilled to bits. It was in the top ten for weeks. And, um, and it's just come out in Ireland and the UK at a time when you're all locked down. And, um, and it's, only, as I said, it's only just out, but people are saying that they feel like they're going armchair travelling when they're reading it because they are able to, you know, be on a plane and and um, you know go all sorts of different travels. Um, so I hope that it does sweep people away from the, the lockdown gloom. Um, if, you know, if they read it. So the central character of the book is Eliza, and she is keen to find out who her father is. And unfortunately, her mum passed away, her single mum, uh, Jeannie, before she could tell her. Now, the godmothers, the key to this, and I don't want to give too much away, her godmothers, she's always been close to them. But you know what I was thinking about this book? Uh, a lot of people have godparents, 
but they rarely rely on them or call on them. You know what I'm talking about? Well, that's what I thought too, because it's a really interesting um, relationship, I think. Because I, you know, I love, as, as you and I have spoken before, what I love to write about is all the kind of the secrets and the layers within family life and all the different relationships that you have and, and the secrets that one generation keeps from the other. And I really thought before writing this one, what is the relationship that really mattered to this central character, Eliza in this case, was somebody who wasn't a blood relative but still felt that they had a real um, bond and a real important role to play in that, in that, you know, that young woman's life. And I actually only had a godmother. I didn't have a godmother, a godfather growing up. Um, because my godmother was very, very religious and my father and mother thought that they couldn't find anyone to match. Um, as someone as religious as her. <laughs> and, um, but the idea of a, a single godmother was, you know, obviously a part of my life. And, and the way that, you know, each of my books starts with a tiny seed. And I thought, you know, what if someone not just had one godmother, but two? And they were really important because her own mother, Eliza's own mother, was very tricky, very troubled, um, very loving, but, you know, really complicated person. And so the two godmothers in this instance, are the keepers of so many secrets um, to do with Eliza's life. And the book is full of moral dilemmas, like how much should they tell her um, you know, that they are, they know everything or they know most of it, um, but is it going to hurt her to find out what they know? Um, so, yeah, so it's a book full of, of, of what that relationship can be when it's pushed a little further than, uh, than it usually is. You see, once again, you're pulling from your own life experience. And as you say, not one, but two godmothers. It's normally godparents, you know, that you have very, very interesting. And it adds, I have to say, to the intrigue of the book. Coming back to the international aspect of it and the different countries you visit, there's a big link here with the northeast. I mean, I wish I could talk loads about all the settings in the book, particularly the Irish settings. Um, but you know, I don't want to give away any spoilers because, as I said, it is a mystery story and there's lots of kind of things to be uncovered as the book unfolds. Um, but I can certainly say that anybody in um, in County Mead will certainly um, will find lots of familiar settings. As you know, I, I lived in um, County Mead when I first moved to Ireland 30 years ago, and um, and there's places that I got to know and um, and love and loved visiting um, have all appeared in, in this novel, so lots of these settings. And that's been great, actually, again, because um, because it did come out, the Godmothers came out here in Australia in, in October, so I was doing loads of interviews and lots of talking about the book. And um, and lots of people were saying to me, oh, I want to go to that, that place in Mead that you talk about. Um, so hopefully there might be a little spike in um, when people can travel again, um, a few Australians turning up <laughs> some of the settings as a result. Monica McInerney, Irish Tourism Ambassador. I like the ring of that, yes. Board Falcher or Irish Tourism will be delighted with you for sure. But you've got to get the book and find out where we're talking about. Can I tell you a little secret? I was in Tesco at the weekend, the highlight of my week, Monica, at the minute with the restrictions, let me say. And on the bookshelves, there is the godmothers, Monica McInerney, number two. Oh, how fantastic to hear that. Thank you. Because you know the funny thing is, because everything turned upside down and because you're all in lockdown in Ireland and because of Brexit, there was a delay with the copies coming from the UK into um, the Irish bookshops and uh, there's been a delay with getting the books to me in Australia. I haven't seen um, my own um, edition of the book yet. So you're one step ahead of me there, Jerry. because I know they're on their way, but everything's upside down with the post. 
Um, so that's lovely to think um, that it's there and it's number two. Thank you so much. It's only a matter of time before it fills the top slot. And I have a lovely copy of it. Yes, I derived from myself. I have it here beside me and I've had it for a few days now. So, folks, you've got to go and get this lovely this Valentine's weekend as a gift for somebody, I have to say. It's intriguing. It's beautiful. It's just another cracker from the uh, Monica McInerney stable. It's called The Godmothers. I wish you well with it. It's a, a brilliant, brilliant book and uh, it's sure to be a, a huge success. I have to tell you as well, reading the, the reviews in this part of the world, you mightn't have seen those either. They're just outstanding, Monica. Actually, Jerry, that's the beautiful thing about um, the internet, at least my um, my publisher have been able to send them over to me here. And um, I'm really, yeah, it's so lovely to, to get those kind of early reviews and to have um, people really kind of um, the best thing I've been hearing is that people are staying up all night to read it, and um, and then Sunday Independent said that I'd got the, um, the, the all the Irish scenes and the Irish dialogue spot on, so that meant the world to me as well. Um, so yeah, that really is it's just such a lift because of course I'm nervous every time I you know even after 21 years and 13 books. Um, you, you're still nervous about how people might receive it. So I'm thrilled that, that there's been such lovely reviews. Now, to diverge a little bit from the book, uh, just remind our listeners again, you headed for Australia when and you've been there ever since? <laughs> I know, which is why I sound like this. I probably sound like Crocodile Dundee now after, <laughs> after being back in here. Oh, it's funny. I, um, I came over to Australia in February in 2020 and I was to be here for less than four weeks um, to meet with my publishers, do a little bit of research um, for the final edits to the Godmothers and then to see my mum and my family. And then that little thing called COVID happened um, and my flights um, were all cancelled. And then, as, as you know, Australia went into a very strong lockdown um, and all international flights grounded and, you know, no one allowed in and out, which has been to the benefit of Australia because, you know, COVID is, is under control here in a way. Obviously, it's not in Ireland and the UK and elsewhere. Um, but yeah, I, so I spent nine months in 2020, um, living very unexpectedly, um, on the other side of the world from my husband, John, who was back in Dublin, um, and living with my mum, who's 81, and a cat, um, in a very small apartment <laughs> for nine months. <laughs> but thankfully, mum and I are still talking to each other. Um, and then, um, then the, in the way that, you know, 2020 and everything is just bringing so many unexpected plot twists and, um, for everybody. For family reasons, I was supposed to, I was due to go back in November. Um, and then again, flights were cancelled. Australia had another little, um, flurry of cases. And for family reasons, I couldn't go back uh, to Ireland. But um, John, my husband, was able to get a travel exemption, thank God, um, to come to our, to Australia. So we were reunited, um, not in Dublin as we expected, but um, but here in Adelaide. So um, I've been very grateful that um, that we were we were able to reunite here. Um, so that's a nice thing to talk about on the eve of um, Valentine's Day. <laughs> I was going to say that to you. My word, this 14th is going to be extra special. You're reunited after all these months. Oh, is there candlelight dinners planned? What's going to happen in Adelaide? Will the fireworks <laughs> go off? Tell us, Monica. Well, I think we have to do something. We're lucky because our, our um, 29th wedding anniversary is actually on the 21st of February. So I think we should make it last, you know, like a whole week from the 14th all the way through to the 21st, don't you? I should have a have a Valentine's festival rather than just a Valentine's night, I reckon. Good <laughs> on you, Monica. Yes, exactly. Have a whole festival, a week of love yourself and John. Why not? I'm sure bring your mother al- along as well for good measure. <laughs> we won't leave her out of that one, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> and the cat as well. 
<laughs> oh, Monica, if you don't get another book out of this, I'll eat me hat. I really will. There's so much food for thought there, but we'll leave that one with you. Just in a general sense in, in Adelaide, maybe you could tell us how the land lies with COVID there. How is society? What's it like? Because, as you know, we are in a prolonged lockdown here. Oh, Jerry, it's quite extraordinary. I think, um, like as I said, John you know, John got here at the end of last year and he had to do his two-week hotel quarantine, which every returning traveller to Australia has to do, um, which is very tough for people. And I know they're introducing that. They're thinking about it in Ireland and, and in the UK too. Um, but it works as tough as it is for people to be you know, locked away until they're considered not contagious or you know, free, of, free of it. Um, if you were in Adelaide, if we could suddenly switch and I could click my fingers and you were here, you would not feel like you there was such a thing as COVID. It looks like normal life here. Um, the restaurants are open. Um, the plans are underway for there's a very famous um, art festival in South Australia called the Adelaide Festival and the Adelaide Fringe, which is the second to the Edinburgh Fringe, so a big comedy festival and theatre festival. And they're building all of the um, you know all the Spiegel tents and all the the um, uh, outdoor gardens and things for those. Um, performances. So there will actually be a festival here in about three weeks' time. Um, Adelaide Writers Week is going ahead. Um, you can, you know, go down to the beach. People are just out and about. We don't wear masks here. Um, people can travel. Um, there are spot fires, if you like, of, um, of COVID cases around the country, but they're very, very quick to, to jump on them to put in, like, you know, swift temporary lockdowns so that um, they can find out and do the contract tracing. Um, so contact tracing. So there, you know, it's it's it, look, it's like a different world. Um, and and when we watch, you know, with us, obviously I'm reading the Irish news every day and to see what you're all going through, um, you know, apart from feeling, you know, all having all that sympathy to you and feeling very grateful to be where we are, um, it's yeah, it's like a different world. Well, it gives us hope as well because Australia has succeeded and please God, with time and as we move out of spring into summer here with vaccinations on the way and learning more about it, we will have uh, normality returning here uh, at some stage, hopefully into summertime on into autumn of this year. But that is is really encouraging and good to hear. Well, look, at it's great to have a chat with you all this way away you are today. But, you know, you are one of us. We've always said that. We love you so much, especially here in LMFM Radio and on our late lunch show. And I say to listeners again, if you want to lose yourself in a wonderful book and travel in the mind, getting yourself ready for when you can physically physically travel, this is the one, The Godmothers by Monica McInerney. And I have a copy to give away on late lunch today before Monica leaves us. And you know, she's just put me in the mood. So how can you Get this copy of Monica's book, The Godmothers. Well, here it is. It's the eve of the eve of Valentine's, as I said. So complete this for me, listeners. Roses are red, violets are blue. You know what I'm talking about? Finish that little verse there off for me and we'll pick a winner before the end of the show. Roses are red, violets are blue. Monica McInerney in Australia is having a festival too. How about that? There's my little version of it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if I was the judge, I'd give you the winner. I mean, poem, Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm never generally stuck for words, but there you go. Anyway, I've even outdone myself, I think, there. Anyway, Monica, regards to John and your mum and the cat, of course, and have a lovely Thank Valentine's you. and help to wear with everything you do. And we'll talk to you again, please, God, as the year moves on.
it's lovely to talk to you again. And I have to say that I always feel homesick for Ireland after you and I talk because I always have your beautiful voice in my in my head for a while afterwards. So thank you. It's great to talk again. Thanks a million for everything. Ah, uh, the lovely Monica McInerney there. Delighted to catch up with her in Adelaide. The Godmothers is the name of the book. I have a copy to give away. Just complete the little verse and you are indeed by droves. Here's a sample of a few of them. Roses are red, violets are blue. I really want to isolate with you, says Caroline. Oh, Caroline, my word. Another one there from Patricia. I give my last mask to you. I like that one. That's very, very good indeed. <laughs> to me, stomach, Anne is right. I made a big stew and there's plenty for you, says Anne. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and another one from Angela. I wish this lockdown was over so as I could visit my crew. Don't. All of us really wish that. And another one there from Sharon. Uh, I'm stuck at home and so are you indeed and we are. Keep them coming to me. We have the book. We have snoods to give away and we have LMFM. Use again the beautiful mugs or cups, whatever you like to go. I have my water in it here today. We have some of those and we'll uh, give them away before the end of the show. When you complete the little verse for me. Now, just reminding you that we have Premier League football uh, uh, on this weekend here on uh, LMFM. We have commentary on the Leicester-Liverpool match at half twelve. Crystal Palace, Burnley at three. And then Man City. Oh, that's a big one against Tottenham at half five. Followed by the fourth game of the day, Brighton against Aston Villa at eight o'clock. You can listen in on the LMFM app or click on the LMFM website and you can listen there. But do remember, you can get closer to the action with Premier League Live with Now TV. Stream all the action from Sky Sports on the Now TV Sky Sports Pass. But on this day, as Valentine's approaches, for all you... Lovers and who give love and receive love out there, John Legend. You give me all of you. Ah, John Legend. He is a legend. What a beautiful, beautiful song. One of my favourite love songs of all time. Love your curves at all your edges. What a line in that song. Roses are red, violets are blue. Listen to this. Roses are red, we've got a new kitten. The dog's going mad and the the toddler's been bitten. (laughs) I love it. Roses are red, I'm feeling fine. You can stick the roses, just give me the wine. And another one following the first two lines. My life began the day I met you. Oh, really, really nice. I like that one. Keep them coming to us. Roses are red, violets are blue. Finish the little uh, ditty, the poetry. And I could have something for you. Yes, I could indeed on late lunch today. What about the Taoiseach? Should he go to the White House? What do you think? I think he should go if he gets the invitation. Should be vaccinated. He should get that vaccination now and head off there. Do you know why I think he should go? I think it's very important he goes. And I know people are bitching about it, but it is an important meeting. And if Biden invites him, you know, it's a big link for us here in this country. After all, we are probably the 50-something state. Well, a lot of us regard it as that, and many people do. But you know why I'd go? I'd ask Joe to help us with the vaccinations. He's going to have the whole of America vaccinated by July. We're doing a few thousand a day. And it's probably to do with supply. But let's get the supply. Go and see Joe and... The EU, should they have been slow off the mark, they've admitted it themselves. Say to Joe, come on, your old hometown needs a bit of help here. Let's have more vaccines. Cut to the chase here. Let's get the vaccines in. That's why I'd go to the White House if I were Michael Martin, to be honest with you. I really would. Another thing I wanted to mention, just saw yesterday, Moy Ross, that big road in Limerick, or an important road in Moy Ross, a neglected area with lots of violence. They got on top of it down there in Limerick, got the go-ahead yesterday. I do hope the minister will be good to his word 
and give approval to the Northern Cross route for Drogheda, the other town in Ireland where violence has been endemic in the place here and neglect for years and years. And if that Northern Cross route is not built, do you know that there are 5,000 houses being built at this minute, planning for them on the north side of Drogheda, with a little country road in and out of the area? This is the big issue in this area today. I tell you that, folks, never mind anything else. This Northern Cross route, I do hope the Minister and government are good to their word and will sanction it by the end of this month or early next month, following on from Limerick, because Drogheda has had a similar scenario here to Limerick in recent years. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Friday afternoon. Still to come on the show, lots, but after two, it's the food of love with Tara Walker. Roses are red, violets are blue, no more homeschooling. Let me say that again. Roses are red, violets are blue, no more homeschooling for a week or two. I love that one, Angela. Uh, Roses are red, violets are blue. I listen, I listen to LMFM. That's true, says Michelle this afternoon. And so on and so on they go. I got loads of them. Sugar is sweet and so are you. Thank you so much. There's a load of them like that. People going for that one. It's a very commonly known little saying for the uh, uh, completion of the verse that I've just given you there. Roses are red, violets are blue. If the bed collapses, the carpet will do, says Joy in this afternoon. And one more from Michael. If I were a head of cabbage, I'd split myself in two. The leaves I'd give to others, my heart I'd give to you. Keep them coming. That's a tough old time uh, for restaurants and hospitality. And this weekend, sure, everywhere would be jammed. It'd be hard to get a booking for a table with people going out to celebrate Valentine's Day. But look. You can make the best of it at home. And we are going to make the best of it for the next while because she knows all about the food of love. I'm delighted to say hello again to Tara Walker from East Coast Cookery School. Hi, Tara. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm <laughs> really good. Now, really, seriously, though, the, 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 you know, we can't go out. And I know it's a big miss for many people, but it doesn't really take too much, uh, Tara, to rustle up something lovely at home. Yeah, like for me with Valentine's, it's kind of, I might just spend a little bit more. I'm usually quite frugal with my ingredients, but I might just spend a little bit more for something really good quality that doesn't take too much effort to cook, if you know what I mean. Um, So something like, you know, a really nice steak Diane or steak and pepper sauce or duck breast or some prawn or crab linguine, something like that that's really quick to do because you don't want to be frazzled in the kitchen either. You know, you don't want to be kind of, Exhausted after yes. cooking for <laughs> <laughs> The love will be gone out the window if you're knackered with the cooking, that's for sure. Exactly. And a couple of couple you'll of be getting resentful, you know, you don't want that. <laughs> a couple of glasses on top of it as well. And anyway, you, you mentioned steak Diane there. And first of all, can I ask you, what is your favourite cut of meat when you're talking about steak? For me personally, it's fillet. And I know a lot of other people prefer other cooks that have more flavour, but I just love the tenderness of a fillet, particularly with a pepper sauce, because, you know, I want the pepper sauce to kind of really just go nicely. I don't want to be chewing on anything, on anything tough, you know, or cutting around it or that kind of thing. So I, I personally like a fillet. Now, I know lots of other people love different cuts, but for me, I'll go fillet when I'm going for a treat, definitely. And how, Tara, you know, some people like it rare, medium rare, well done. What's your advice there on those three, uh, you know, choices for people? Yeah, well, like, for example, my husband loves it super rare, super, super rare. So usually I just, I put the two steaks on at the same time for him and I, um, and I take his off and 
leave it on a warm dish to rest while I finish cooking my own. And um, I always give my own another, like, maybe two, three minutes on the pan, you know. So once it's on a warm dish, it'll just rest nicely. And actually, the less... um, you know, the less you cook it, actually, the less you need to rest it, if you see what I mean. Mm. Um, but it is really important to rest it. So, I mean, obviously, everybody has their own ways um, of doing it. For me, a well-done steak is just a shame because, you know, you're to me, it's kind of wasting a really tender piece of meat because it does toughen it up a little bit. Mm. Um, so even if you can bear to go medium and then rest for a while, I think that's, that's really the best, you know. So about four or five minutes on each side for medium and rest then for five, ten minutes. Yeah, well, it does depend on the thickness. Yeah. Um, so, like, obviously, when you're having a fillet, if you're having closer to the centre cut, um, you'll probably have it a bit thinner because it's wider then. And then as it goes towards the tail end, it get the, you know, it, t- it tapers off. So you end up with a thicker cut to get the, the same quantity. Um, so let's just say your steak was, a, say, between half an inch to an inch in thickness. If you want medium, I would give it three to four minutes on each side and then also cut it, cut, um, Make sure the edges, you know, the little sides yes. that they're exposed to the pan as well, to the good high temperature on the pan. Super hot. You put the fat onto the steak rather than onto the pan. So I usually oil it and season as well on the plate. And then my pan is totally dry. And then as always, we've probably done it on the show before, yeah. making sure that your pan is so hot that you hear a good sizzle. If you don't hear a sizzle, take the steak off and wait another few minutes and let the pan really reach temperature. And the resting is so important. What about the pepper sauce uh, out of a packet with, pack with a drop of milk or make from scratch? Absolutely not. Look, if we don't need to go into the shop for packets of things when it's so easy to make one. So we actually did a Valentine's class here on um, Monday night this week and I, um, I did this dish. So what I did was while the steak is resting, get your pan, just cool your pan down, just turn it off completely. Pop a knob of butter into the, the remnants in the pan. So those lovely sticky caramelised bits are super important. Then I added a very finely chopped shallot and a small bit of garlic and a little pinch of salt and just caramelise those down a little bit, let them soften down. You don't have to go with the onion and the garlic or the shallot on the garlic. You can go with one or the other or neither if you don't have them or you can't be bothered. <laughs> it's still going to be delicious. It's all about those lovely pan juices that are in the bottom of the pan. And then deglaze with a little bit of brandy or whiskey, whatever you have. Um, I went with brandy the other day. Let all those little sticky bits from the pan come up with the deglazing. And then add plenty of peppercorns in. So what I usually do is do really good grinding of black pepper from my mill. And then I also throw three or four whole peppercorns in. Um, just to give plenty of flavour in there. And then a little bit of cream in and just let that simmer. Don't stir it once you put the cream in. Let it just bubble away and reduce down. Um, if you put a spoon in to stir it, it might end up splitting on you. So, And then just pour it over the steaks. And it, it just feels like it feels like a real treat and it's really luxurious. And yet, it's not too much labour in the kitchen once you know what you're doing. Oh, I feel the love coursing through my veins, as you mentioned, uh, the different steps there in the making of that pepper sauce. So no excuse. It's easy and do it yourself. Now, what about uh, duck breast in uh, red wine reduction? What way do you do the duck breast? Pan first into the oven or what? Exactly, yeah. Well, I usually just finish off on the pan, to be honest. I usually try and use a skillet for the duck so that, you know, with the, the kind of ribbed bottom on it, so that I can hold, I usually put it, again, pretty similar to the steak. So just season the duck well, but no oil on it. You don't need any oil, obviously, on a duck breast. 
and then on her super hot skillet, put the skin side down. I usually make a couple of incisions in the skin and by putting it skin side down with the actual skillet, you can kind of let some of that um, oil and fat kind of drain out of it mm. and it's kind of elevated away from the oil, if you know, from the fat that it's giving off. And I give it a good kind of five to ten minutes on the skin side down until the skin is super crispy, just under burnt, if you see what I mean. And then I turn it over onto the flesh side and I only give it a couple of minutes on the flesh side and then I let it rest. And I like it ever so slightly pink at the centre. I know some kind of more high-end restaurants would be quite pink. I like just a bit of pink at the centre, not too much. And then resting that down and then the little incisions that you've made in the skin should help you be able to slice it really neatly. And it should have drained a lot of the fat away as well. And that's all. That's, similarly, that, that's yeah. all, Tara, on a skillet pan you're talking about there. Yeah, I prefer yes. to use a okay. skillet pan just yeah. to help yeah, yeah. get rid of the fat. Yeah. yeah. Go on ahead, go on, you're going to say there. Yeah, and then really just kind of carrying on quite similarly to the steak. So I usually drain away all that duck fat and keep it for some lovely potatoes if you're going to do some potatoes on the side, maybe some hasselbacks or wedges or something like that. Um, and then I just pop a little bit of shallot and uh, garlic, if you want it, I don't use it for that, onto the pan. Let that just brown off a little, just ever so slightly. And then add a good um, a good kind of drop of red wine, like maybe 100 mils, a fair bit, more than you might think. It's not just deglazing because it is a red wine reduction. Add your red wine in. Let that simmer down for a moment. And then again, well, a few minutes, two or three minutes. And then to finish it off, it's called Monte au beurre in classic French cuisine, which is just pop a little bit of cold butter, a few little knobs of cold butter in. Don't stir it. Shake it through. And that will give you a lovely, glossy finish to your red wine reduction. Beef, duck. We have to cater to the love of the seafood lovers this Valentine's weekend. Prawn or crab linguine? Take us through uh, the, proce- the uh, steps there for those. Well, look, we're so lucky here in the northeast. We have Flowerhead, um, you know, providing us with beautiful seafood, prawns and crab. And actually, I did a crab linguine on, on our Italian class last night. And it's so simple again. And again, it feels really luxurious. So usually I start just cook off my, my pasta. I do prefer linguine or something a bit thinner for this kind of a dish because mm. really thick pasta, you kind of lose the delicacy of the, of the prawns and the crab meat with really thick pasta, like say, for example, penny. So with your linguine or your spaghetti, just have that boiling way in the background. And on a good big wide pan, you can just put your a little bit of oil, a little bit of butter, some garlic and chilli if you want. You don't have to go with the garlic, but it does add an extra bit of flavour, obviously. And just let those kind of sweat off very gently for a couple of minutes. Then toss in your prawns or your crab, whichever you're using. Move that around in the nice kind of infused butter and oil. Then deglaze with a little bit of white wine. Or last night I was very indulgent. We had a bit of Prosecco to deglaze. And then just... Toss them around until their crab meat will probably be cooked already. The prawns will probably be raw. So give the prawns another couple of minutes until they're cooked through. And then literally just toss in your linguine or your spaghetti or whatever. Garnish with a little bit of parsley and some lemon juice and serve up with a nice green salad. And it's a super elegant little dish. It is indeed. You mentioned risotto as well. And again, risotto, a particular type of rice. And it just takes time, doesn't it, the risotto to absorb the liquid. You just need to stand over it on the cooker to get it right. Yeah, so I had risotto kind of last on my list because it does take a little bit more effort to do. So I was trying to, you know, think of things that are super easy. Good on you. (laughs) But the risotto, I find, like, it is quite a nice calming procedure. Once you have all of your chopping done, 
you know, you're just standing there stirring and adding a little bit of stock in as you go. So, you know, you could be having a nice glass of wine and a nice chat as you're going along. But it's not for a day when you're frazzled. <laughs> OK, so the risotto, it is, it just takes a bit of time. And it's arborio rice, isn't it, for risotto? Yeah, arborio, or you can use carnaroli rice either. Or if you were in a pinch, paella rice would be good too. Now, while you're with me, and that's your loved up meals looked after, folks, for this weekend. And when you listen to Tara there, there's not a lot involved in the first ones there. The risotto takes a little bit longer, but you can do it. Go for it at home this weekend and you'll be more than surprised, Tara. We're shivering in our timbers. No need to tell you that. Be nearer to the sea there. Give us a couple of winter warmers quickly before we finish. Stew, come on. Yeah, absolutely. So stew, browning off your meat, adding in your veg, sweating it off and adding in your stock and whatever other little flavour. So I'm about to actually make a beef burgundy on here today now. So I'm going to go with lots of red wine in there. You could have Guinness in there either for beef and Guinness stew. You could just stick with plain old beef stock and not add any alcohol in at all. It's all about preparing in advance. There's not too much work involved in it, but then you have a lovely big pot of comfort. So we're doing a winter warmers class here every now and then, and we're doing three different dishes in it. So we have a beef and Guinness stew, then we have a chicken casserole, which starts out quite similarly. You know, you brown off your meat, then you add in your veg, add in your stock. Um, but then we finish it off quite differently because we finish it off. It's a really light, kind of nice little chicken casserole, finished off with a little bit of creme fraiche and lemon and parsley. So even though it's a real winter warmer and you can make a big batch of it for the freezer, it kind of has a lightness to it. And then we do a fish bake as well, which is super easy. So it's just putting some lovely slices of fish into an open-proof dish. Then pour over some tinned tomatoes or passata. Throw in a few veggies, whatever you have there, some courgette, some peppers, a few olives if you like them. And then just pop some breadcrumbs over and a little bit of grated cheese and into the oven. And that is a super simple kind of 10 minutes of preparation, 15 to 20 minutes of cooking winter warmer that you can prepare ahead of time and freeze or you can have it in the fridge from the day before and it's super hearty even though it's fish you know it just tastes lovely and warming um, especially with the breadcrumbs and the melted cheese on the top God they're so handy I know it these are the simplest things to do and they're so hearty so warming tastes better even the next day and good for the freezer just one thing back to the beef for the stew uh, just had a listener on to me there again Tara asking you what's your favourite you know cut to use in stewed beef yes well just this morning I ordered my I have it downstairs to start cooking now um, a shin beef from Chutes and Lawrence Street there so that's what I'm using today I have a kilo of shin beef and that should feed a good sort of eight portions if and not more it has the flavour of the shin you know it does it takes more time but the flavour is superb isn't it yeah exactly so what you're looking for any of stews or casseroles any of these slow cooking is a tough piece of meat that has a good bit of fat in it and that might sound counterintuitive, but what you're looking for is that the fat renders out slowly during the cooking and adds lovely flavour and moisture to the dish. And that the, the sauce can mature as the meat is cooking. So the opposite is, let's say, a beef stroganoff, which you use a fillet, steak, a fillet of beef for. So the sauce doesn't... I, I'm not mad about beef stroganoff, because the sauce doesn't get that low of time to mature as yeah. the beef is cooking in it, if you see what I mean. 
Yeah, and it's not the most expensive cut either, but in flavour and finish and everything, it is superb. Tara, lots of food for thought there. And your classes are ongoing. You can check them out, folks. EastCoastCookerySchool.ie That's EastCoastCookerySchool.ie They're proving very popular. She's great on the Zoom. I'm telling you, she's wonderful. Uh, But I can't wait to get back out there as soon as possible. Anyway, Tara, you're great. Thank you so much for joining us and happy Valentine's. Thank you so much, Sherry. And would you mind if I said a very quick hello? I've just done a Zoom to my primary school, Skull Angusa, just before I spoke to you. So there were loads of us from the school and I did my best with the old Gaelga. So thanks to everyone who joined me from there as well. <laughs> well done. And we say hello to, to them ourselves this afternoon and you're all going great. Everybody using the Zoom for every type of education. Well done to you all. Tara, keep doing what you're doing. It's great. Thanks, Jerry. Great to talk to you as always. Take care of yourself. That's Tara Take Walker. Care. Bye from East Coast Cookery School this afternoon. Lovely food there for this weekend and the winter warmers as well. EastCoastCookerySchool.ie. Check her out. Yeah, roses are red, violets are blue. They say it's freezing, but we're hot, me and you, says Margaret. Love it, Margaret. Another one there. I got dressed up just for you, despite having the flu, says another listener. And there's somebody who knows, of course, that I followed the gun. Uh, Jerry, roses are red, Leeds United are white and blue. Arsenal, better watch out because we're coming for you. Yes, they're playing <laughs> this weekend. I love them. Keep them coming. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text and we'll tell you who's getting what before the end of the show. Now, we met them some time ago on Late Lunch and we were just thinking about Valentine's Day and love second time around and they're an absolute lovely couple. You know Pat Murphy well, the sailor and we spoke to him recently about the border and his partner is the lovely Geraldine Corr and they're both on the line. Hello to you both. Hello. Uh, hello, Jerry. Welcome, welcome to the show. Geraldine, how are you? Let me start with Geraldine. Geraldine, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, absolutely fine, thank you. We're still together. We're still <laughs> that, I was going to ask you, uh, is, I, I was worried then, is everything okay on this Valentine's weekend? Still yeah. in love, Geraldine? Oh, don't ask me about love, that's a funny one. Um, yeah, it's so many things to so many different people, and I've been thinking about it, knowing that I was coming on, and I can remember people saying, oh, when your baby's born, you will like, this bonding and my god that was the first time I truly felt that tsunami of warmth that kind of powerful visceral emotional feeling um the bonding with a baby now that with my hand on my heart that is love it's uh, quite something it's miraculous and then there's the other kind um I know when I met Pat a couple of maybe a couple of weeks after I met Pat we were out having a bite of lunch and we were just just finishing and we were chatting and I leaned across the table to to sort of emphasize whatever it was I was talking about and my hand touched his hand and boom I've never felt anything like it it wasn't wow wonderful it was literally like a punch in the solar plexus now it, it wasn't um it wasn't static like you can get off your vehicle sometimes it was something quite woof it really took my breath away and I looked at Pat, and he looked away very quickly. And then he looked back at me, and he said, did you feel that? And I couldn't even speak. Um, I was just stunned. 
uh, anyway, we, we left the restaurant uh, and I was in a kind of a state of shock and he went off to the car for something. I called into the butchers and I can remember the butcher staring at me because he'd asked me what did I want and I hadn't answered because my head was spinning. <laughs> and I don't know what that is. Now, does that sound like a Cupid dart or what? I don't know. Oh. I wouldn't have said that was love. It was so powerful and it was so physical. Um, it shook me. It yes. shook me, and the only time I've had a physical reaction to another human being in that way was when I bonded with my baby. Pat, come in and win. Where are you? Pat, hello. I'm listening here in the other room, Jerry, on it. I must say, uh, no, I, I think we were very, very lucky to have met each other. And right from she got off the train at Connolly Station, having taken it from Clarence and Shannon, and she came up to me. I told her what I was wearing and everything else and et cetera. And she came up and the first thing she says to me is, I've got to go to the toilet. Now that really hit me a little bit on it. But anyway, we came back down and we never looked back. When she came out of the toilet, we went down to Collins Barracks to the Asgard that I'm involved with. And we've never really looked back uh, from that day on. It just grew and grew and grew. And I would now be lost, totally lost without her. Because uh, I feel like good company here. Now, we do have our little arguments sometimes and everything else, but that's only natural. But all in all, it's been a wonderful experience, a second love and everything else on it. And uh, Cubit, Cubit definitely appeared on the dating site. <laughs> it was 42 months last Monday. Last Monday, we celebrated our 42nd month together. Isn't that amazing, the way you keep track of it so closely? God, this is this is one of the greatest love stories ever. Geraldine, I want to come back to you for a second. Hold on there a minute, Pat. Geraldine, come back yeah. to that day when you arrived in Connolly Station. I'm thinking of an episode of Fools and Horses when Dell went to meet Raquel. Do you remember? Do you remember in the railway station? Tell me this, Geraldine. You'd never actually met until that moment. No, we'd spoken. We'd, we'd spoken on the telephone and I was really, I don't know whether I want to do this or not. And I said, I'm quite anxious. And he, I remember him saying to me, he said, look, tell everybody where you're going. Be, tell everybody about it. Be right up front. Uh, and then you don't have to feel anxious and nervous, you know. So I thought well, that's fair enough, you know. Um, and yeah, I, I met this guy and I did. I'd been stuck on a very busy train and I was busting for the loo. And I remember saying, hello, it's lovely to meet you, but can you tell me where the ladies are? <laughs> So I had to do a run. He thought I was. He thought I'd taken one look and done a runner, um, <laughs> which I haven't. Uh, yeah, you know, he's a very dynamic person. I'm fairly fairly calm by comparison, but I've learned a lot of new things with Pat. He is a dynamic bloke. He loves his sailing, um, and I've been introduced to all sorts of things. Uh, well, the water, certainly. I love the water. We've sailed, and I got a little boat for myself for the Shannon last year. So, yeah, we have interest. When, yeah. The time that we're all living in at the moment, my God, it, it's great to have another heartbeat around the house. It's great to have things that we can do together. Something new, something... It's never, ever too late to try something new. That's what I'm learning about me, because if you just said to me three and a half years ago, you're going to meet someone and you're going to go sailing the seven, well, not the seven seas, but sailing, sailing in general. And I thought, nah, I'm too old for that. Too old, 70 years of age, I'm far too old. But 
No, you can, if, as long as you maintain your health and you do have a responsibility to do that, everybody does, despite the times that we live in, why not go for it? If something new and good comes up, go for it. Yeah. You might as well live life as exist life. Oh, you're wonderful. And Geraldine, just to tell our listeners in case they're wondering, both yourself and Pat, this is second relationships for both of you. Yep, yep. Your husband had passed on. Uh, seven years ago, almost, yeah, just next month it'll be seven years. Did you ever think that you would find love with somebody again? No, no, but I know that I was starting to get lonely. About three and a half years after Brian died, um, I knew I couldn't keep that house on. It was too big for me. It was a a millstone. The garden was massive. There was stuff to do. And I I, I was beginning to withdraw from the life I'd had before. Now, he'd been ill for a long time before he actually passed. And it was a privilege to care for him. But in in fairness, it was hard work without me realising it. I just took it on board and cracked on with it. Um, But then like three years down the line, there was me left with a dog. And thank God I I was at the time. Um, And and it was just, I thought, is this it now? Do I just maintain this shrine of a house or do I carry on living? And it, it it took me three and a half years to think, I want to do something else. I didn't know what. Now, during that time, I mean, I'd been part of writers' groups. I'd helped start up a U3A where I'm living now. All sorts of things. I was. I had little fingers in little pies. But, you know, deep down when I look back, I, I was big into writing. And, you know, I've totally lost interest in writing anything now. It's so funny. My interest has swerved off. I want to do instead of be passive. I want to be more proactive. And I am with Pat. I'm able to be proactive. And tell, I'll tell you this as well. It takes a lot to read a book like Pat Morphy, to be honest with you as well. That is a book and a half for sure. But Geraldine, just one quick thing. You, you mentioned having your, having a child as that amazing moment in your life. What did yeah. your children and family think of? of, of? I, just, I just have the one daughter that thought. Yeah. What did she think? The biggest thing for her was I don't work. After she'd met Pat, she said, I don't worry about you now. I'm not worried, because she's in England, obviously. She's over in the UK, yeah. and the grandkids, which is a bit sad and all the rest of it. But I, I speak with them several times a week. We do FaceTime. But at the time when we could travel, Pat would come across with me. We'd go across and stay with them. Um, and we're missing that, of course. Uh, but she, after she met him, she said, he's all right, it's Pat. She says, and I don't worry about you now, mm. because I know you have someone that, that you're okay with. Isn't that um, lovely? Oh, Pat Murphy, the head is swelling now for sure. But here, do you know what I'm just thinking about one thing? And I want to tell listeners, you live in beautiful Boyle in Roscommon. I know it well, but you're a cute fox, Pat Murphy. And just the penny's only after dropping with me. You're right beside the Shannon. I was going to say that your sailing days are over. Sure, you were on the biggest river in Ireland. You could get to the sea any time you wanted to. But seriously, Pat, when you hear what Geraldine has to say there and you remember that moment as well when you met her and that uh, thunderbolt as she described it uh, when you were in the the restaurant for you too and I know how much you loved your wife who sadly passed away mm-hmm. as well did you feel that there was something beyond for you yes I I've met uh, two or three other ladies prior to meeting Geraldine on this dating site and but they didn't there was nothing clicked Mm. But as soon as I met Geraldine, it clicked immediately. I, I never even thought about anybody else. It was Geraldine the whole way down on it. And we, we as I say, met her at Conley Station. We took the Lewis down to, to Collins Barracks. I should tell you this herself. There was a man sitting opposite us. 
Geraldine, do you want to tell him about the man sitting opposite to us on the, on the Lewis going down? Go on. Well, well, perhaps sort of chatted away to him and was talking about it, and I thought, oh, this must be one of his friends. And I've learned, of course, since that Pat talks to anybody and everybody like he's known them all his life. And I thought it was one of his friends. Um, I, I told him. I've never seen it. We were, on a, we were on a blind date. I told the guy we were on a blind date. Oh, blind date, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Pat, you're a, you're a great man. You really, I know what you're like. I know what you're like. You just open up, open up to everybody. And again, Pat, I know you did say to me before, you, your family, when uh, they considered you and Geraldine and your love for each other and life together, so happy for you. Yes, indeed. And they don't worry about me now at all, which is great. And no, I'm very, very lucky. But to be in a house on your own, and not no one to talk to, not not another heartbeat, as Geraldine says. It's it's great, and uh, we certainly. I never thought that I would meet somebody who I could train into sailing and who would like to sailing. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I tell you, that woman had some job in her hands when you talk about the word train, and it comes to you, Geraldine. Come in there. <laughs> Listen, there's, there's a long time to go before it gets dark yet. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> I don't want to split you up now on this Valentine's weekend. Come on, let's keep it love if all I, the I way. Only, if I could only have trained him to do things in the kitchen. Ah, that's well, gonna you know, at this stage, I suppose there's a, a yin and yang and there's a balance yeah. in life and you two have it to perfection yeah. at this stage. I had a lovely old friend, a lovely old friend and neighbour many, many years ago and... She had something with her husband. It was something, you know, that we, well, we used to say they're a one-off couple. They really are. Mm. And she said to me, um, she says, Dennis and I have both got really strong personalities, but over the years we've totally crushed them with each other, so we now actually blend. <laughs> personality I, I don't think I'll be going down that route but, uh, <laughs> no 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 don't knock all the edges off no don't 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 stay as you I are because it's it's working perfectly have you anything planned Geraldine or does Valentine's come on go does it mean anything to you this weekend oh heck no it's not Fill the diesel up in the car, you can do that instead. I'm very practical now. Hey, Pat, Tara Walker was on us a few moments ago. Our uh go-to a woman in the kitchen East Coast Cookery School and she just told us how to do a lovely wheat steak. Come on, Pat. Go down the butchers, get a nice steak there and do it for Geraldine, will you, the weekend? Sorry, Ger, I, you've gone off. No, no, no. He hears selective hearing. Is that it, Geraldine? <laughs> No, what I tell you what I did this morning. <laughs> I rang I rang up a lovely five star restaurant this morning to book a table for a Sunday and I told her I wanted a bottle of wine and the table and everything else, the whole lot and I was planning and doing that. And then I suddenly realised they were all closed. Yes, yes. What a great excuse you have this year, Mr. Murphy. We're not accepting any of it. Get to it and look after that young woman. She deserves it this weekend. Listen, you're a lovely couple. You really are. And I'm delighted to touch base with both of you today. Happy Valentine's. Happy whatever comes ahead in the years and months ahead to both of you. But Geraldine Corr and Pat Murphy, you're great. Thank you both for joining me on the show. Thank you and all the listeners. Thank you, all the listeners. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Aren't they just lovely? You know know that saying, folks? As God made them, they match them. Well, certainly with that pair, that is the case. Love, 
Second time round, isn't it just gorgeous? Thank you to Elaine and everybody in Commons Road Pharmacy. Oh, they have such a selection of roses there. And they sent in a rose for everybody in LMFM. Oh, thank you so much. It's sitting here uh, beside me on the desk. Really, really appreciated. Lovely gesture from Commons Road Pharmacy. Thank you so much indeed. We treasure them. It, and they have a lovely selection of flowers there if you give them a shout over the weekend. Um... I have to read this one. I really do, because it's simply brilliant. It shows you that somebody who's been listening to Late Lunch on a regular basis takes it into the little verse today. Listen to this one. Roses are red, violets are blue. If you're out with your dog, pick up the poo. I really like that. And that's something we've been talking about in the show. And it's a real uh, message. It's a message of love for dog owners. Do it for thinking of, of, of others who are, who are out there using the pavements. And another one there, roses are red, violets are blue. I'm allergic to flowers. Achoo, 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 says Jackie and Martin. People love flowers, don't they? I understand. Funny, really funny. Very clever, very thoughtful. Keep them coming to us. Now, I am joined on the show by a man I met a couple of years ago uh, through his involvement uh, with a local writers group. And he brought out what I will say is a wonderful selection of poetry last August. It was called Who Will Speak For Me? And he's back on the line with me today for a particular reason. Des Parkinson, hello. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. And let me tell you, your collection of poetry, I have it here. I have it in pride of place at, at home. And I take it out from time to time and I read because I say again, you are a real talent. Thank you for joining me on the show. Well, Valentine's Day is because you're a man who's uh, involved in second love as well. Just let me ask you first, what about this weekend? Is it on your radar or what? Valentine's Day on Sunday, yes. Well, I, 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 I would like to dedicate it to my own Valentine, which uh, is Anne. And uh, also, Jerry, while I'm on, um, I, I'd like to dedicate it to all the staff of Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital who have been just terrific during this hard time. Ah, Des, that's really kind of you to think of them and I know they'll appreciate it. Now, the reason I asked you on, and I want you to do this for me now, is that in this collection of poetry, you have a, a poem called Our Final Valentine and I think it's so appropriate to read this weekend. So, Des, may I ask you to recite it, please, for our late lunch listeners. OK, I'm delighted. Thank you. Okay, our final Valentine. We did not dream that passion fire would burn or could be so intense or that the heart must yearn. Who would have thought such love existed then for lovers who have almost reached their three score years and ten and might have had more sense? Yet there it is, perfect love, so true and sparkling with romance that is given to so few. And so in love are we, my love and I, that like twin stars in a darkened sky, no separation shows that earth can see and how we love to dance. With joy we live these golden days, for youth we do not pine. Our hearts as one are joined always. We mourn not that years have passed, but value more that we have kept the best of life to last and love our final valentine. Oh my. 
beautiful and so well delivered. Am I surprised? No, I am not surprised. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. Our final Valentine. I have to ask you again, your collection of poetry, is it still available, the book? Uh, well, it is. It, I, have, I have one copy in the library, but, yeah. but, but actually I don't have it anywhere for sale, but through the uh, uh, Drogheda Creative Writers Group, uh, yes, and uh, in, in, in fact, I, I, as I said before, Jerry, I, 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 this is a hobby of mine. It's not something that I would anticipate making a living out of. Hmm. But of course, I, I do give it to all my friends. Ah, you're so kind. It's a beautiful, beautiful collection. And I know you say it is not something that you pr- pursue professionally and something that you came to at a time in your life as well. But, you yeah. know, I say it to you again, you are a real talent. You have such talent. And I take it you're working on more new poems and poetry. Yes, I'm trying to, but, but uh, paradoxically, even though I'm not doing anything at this time, nobody is, it's hard enough then to get up the, I don't know, the enthusiasm yes. to actually write. I, actually, if I if I could have a couple of pints, Jerry, I'd probably write another <laughs> book. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people listening to you today are with you on that one, Des. But look, at the time will come when the pen will flow again, but the for today, will it will, again. it will. But look, thank you for joining me today and reading that beautiful poem, Des. Thank you very much for having me on. Not at all. All the best to you. Bye-bye. That's the wonderful Des Parkinson there dedicating that poem to Anne and all of the staff at Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital. I mentioned Cottage Pharmacy. Remember, they're in Drogheda and on Commons Road in Navin as well. And they have a thousand roses to give to their customers as an appreciation. So there you are. If you're in Cottage Pharmacy over the weekend, a red rose will be yours, Drogheda or Navin. Now, let me tell you the book, Monica McInerney. Look, first of all, we're inundated with people getting in touch with us with little verses. And I'd be here till Christmas reading them all. I thank you all and I've read them all here, flew through them myself here, and we've let shared some of them with you, our listeners, as well. So if yours wasn't shared, I have read it, I have them here, and I keep them, and I'll look through them as well when the show is over today. Thank you so much. The book, Monica's book, I'm sending it to Colette for the... Uh, I'll read it again. Roses are red, violets are blue. If you're out with your dog, pick up the poo. Well done, Colette. The book is yours, The Godmothers, from Monica McInerney. But I have snoods and LMFM mugs for uh, Joy in Tenure this afternoon about the carpet. Uh, the bed collapses the carpet. I Also also there is Anne, uh, who sent us in one about the stew. Hester McKennan, Dundalk today. Yes, that's a lovely one. The COVID is bad, but so is the flu. Keep washing your hands and do what you do when this is all over. I love you. I love it. Hester, I have a prize for you. And Irene Kerr as well. Um, make my Valentine's with a snood from you. Yes, we'll get a snood to you as well. So that's everybody uh, there, the winners on the show this afternoon. And thank you very much for joining in the fun. Now, I just want to mention somebody uh, today who's very, very special. Jerry Casey. He's a resident at St. Oliver Plunkett Community Unit and he's Dundalk Football Club's number one fan. And Jerry, today people are thinking of you. Jenny, Deirdre, George, Stephen, and all your family in Lisburn send you their best wishes. And we're delighted to join in those good wishes to you this afternoon. That's for Jerry Casey. Now, my featured artist of the week is Dusty Springfield. And Dusty, as I said yesterday, succumbed 
succumbed to cancer on the 2nd of March 1999, 22 years ago. But two weeks after she died, would you believe it or not, she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She was cremated. Her ashes were divided, however. Some were interred at Henley-on-Thames in uh, London and the remainder of her ashes were scattered at the Cliffs of Moher in County Clare. You see her links with Ireland. Now, her personal life was continuously under scrutiny, which she always shied away from. However, she did confirm in an interview in 1970 that she could equally be swayed by a boy or a girl. Imagine that statement in its day, 1970, and the ramifications. She certainly also had a dual personality, the performing Dusty and the shy private Mary O'Brien. She's regarded as the finest white soul singer of her era, and that was voted by readers. Do you remember the New Musical Express? Number one female singer in 64, 65, 66, 67 and 69. Remarkable. Yes, Dusty Springfield was unique and brilliant. And today I sign off her story with a love song she put her own stamp on. The wonderful Dusty Springfield there. Oh, what a fantastic song. Anyone who had a heart. Of course, originally recorded by Scylla Black and Dionne Warwick and covered brilliantly uh, by Dusty. And uh, all this week, we've been remembering the wonderful Dusty Springfield on Late Lunch. And I will have another Artist of the Week for you starting Monday next week. Now, up after a final break of this week, it's uh, a loving look ahead to sport with Leon Blanche. Yes, Friday afternoon and... There's been a lot of love on late lunch this afternoon and I know so many of you wait for this time every week because you have a massive love of sport and there's lots of it happening this weekend and the man to talk about it is of course Leon Blanche, Communications Manager with Boyle Sports. Hello again Leon. Good afternoon Jerry. how are you? I'm good, thank you very much for joining us on the show. Well, let's begin with the Six Nations and look at the others first because tomorrow Saturday, Scotland take on Wales, that's a big one but the uh, first game is England-Italy. Yeah, look Jerry. I think England will bounce back uh, from suffering that shock defeat. We we said last week it would be close, we didn't think Scotland would, would, would win the Calacosta Cup but they actually did and they played very well. England were awful but Italy... Uh, we saw how exposed they were against the French uh, last weekend. So I think England will get their Six Nations campaign up and running. But the big game, there's no doubt about it. It's tomorrow at a quarter to five. Scotland against Wales. Two sides that probably wouldn't have expected to be going into this particular encounter having won their opening game. But that's how it is. Wales, of course, were helped with Ireland playing the majority of that match with only 14 men. Scotland, on the other hand, They've got to be coming into this game full of confidence, really, really full of confidence, because that performance against England to nullify the English attack as good as the Scots did, they've got to be going into this Wales game and feeling that they can win back-to-back games. And I'm going to go with the Scots here. I don't think it's going to be um, a walkover. I think it's going to be quite a tight game. I think the handicap has Scotland as the five-point favourite. So it goes to show you there's not a lot between these two sides. Both of them will be confident, but I just think Scotland haven't beaten England, Jerry. I think they can see off the Welsh. Then on Sunday, Ireland are at home to championship favourites. France, as you said there, they were mightily impressive against Italy. Peter O'Mahony banned for three games. Sexton and Murray now ruled out. Yeah, Jerry, it really... I mean, like Ireland, to be fair... Bar a couple of, I mean, they were kind of schoolboy errors, not kicking the ball into touch. O'Mahony getting sent off so early, not like him. 
we played well for periods of that Welsh game, but as you rightly said, missing those three key players and Murray with a hamstring uh, injury that was only confirmed. I mean, it's really, really tough to see how Ireland are going to beat them. The French will be coming in here. They are only slight favourites. Um, it must be said, Jerry. there's only a four-point spread in the betting. If you think Ireland can win just straight up their 17 to 10, but without those three players, oh, it's going to be tough. I mean, it would put out some statement if the lads that who come in to the starting 15 can put down a marker and beat this French side because that would actually show us that our backups are well able uh, to come into the first team. But the French, I know it was only Italy, but it was the manner in their performance last week that really took me. This is going to be a very difficult game on Sunday, Jerry, And unfortunately, I think the French might just do us in Dublin. No surprise if they do. As you say, it'll take a huge effort for Ireland, minus those players, to actually beat the French. Now let's switch from rugby union to soccer and to begin with the Leicester against Liverpool on Saturday. Kick-off at 12.30. My Liverpool have to be chastened after that hammering last week by Man City. Oh, they certainly do. And look, I mean, I suppose the game was kind of in the balance when it was one all when Salah got the equalising penalty. A couple of uncharacteristic mistakes from Alisson. Uh, he's been a great signing for Liverpool since he came for big money. So one game doesn't make you a bad player. However, the injuries continue to mount. Fabinho is now out. So what does Jurgen Klopp do? If it was me, I'd love to see two centre-backs play at centre-back. Jordan Henderson, Liverpool fans have been calling for him to be pushed back into the middle of the park where they seem to be losing the battles. That's where Liverpool were so dominant when they won um, so many tournaments. Leicester, on the other hand, Jamie Vardy is coming back to full fitness. And Brendan Rodgers, he hasn't had the best record against his former side when Leicester have taken on Liverpool. We remember the game last year. I think Liverpool won 4-0 and they were brilliant. Liverpool are slight favourites. But I just think, without Fabinho, I think if Jurgen Klopp plays Henderson across the back line again, Jerry. I think Liverpool could be in for a long afternoon. I'm going to sit on the fence here. I'm going to go for the draw at 5-2. I just think it represents the best value. Liverpool will be hoping their away form, which has been better than their form at Anfield, can get them a much-needed victory because this is a real six-pointer in terms of who's going to finish in those top four positions. It certainly is. Now, leaders Manchester City, I just look at the stats they have a five-point lead at the top of the table over United with a game in hand. They've gone through in the FA Cup. They're moving on in the Champions League. And, of course, they're in the League Cup final where they'll play Tottenham. And this weekend, it's a rehearsal for that city at home to Spurs. Can Spurs stop them? Um, I suppose they can, Jerry. I mean, they stopped them already this season, didn't they? And they, they went ultra-defensive to try and hit City on the counter-attack and it worked a treat. And Jose pulled off a masterclass in beating Man City earlier on in the season. So they'll be going into this game knowing that they've done it once, they can do it again. But I think when you look at the the price of Tottenham Hotspur, 8-1. to one. Now, it's a long time since I've ever seen a perceived kind of a top six or seven club playing against the league leaders being such a big price. I know they're away from home, but there's no fans. But you've got to give Man City credit. You mentioned how well they're going in the four competitions. They're currently only 14-1 to to win a quadruple. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, But I think City will win the league. Um, They've got Everton in the FA Cup. 
But Pep Guardiola, you've got to give credit where credit's due. Yes, he spent quite considerable amounts of money. But except for last year when they kind of fell off in the league, the two seasons prior to that, obviously when they won back-to-back league titles, they got 100 points, and I think it was 97 or 98 points. It looks this time around they're on a serious run again. They won't get as high as that, but I think they're going to win the league with a little bit to spare. And Jerry, do you know something? I think City, I think they'll have found out something about Spurs. City look to me a lot more patient now in their build-up, and that's the reason why I think Man City will beat Spurs. It won't be by, by many goals, because Mourinho will keep this so tight. He wouldn't mind just taking a draw uh, right now if you offer that to him. But I think Guardiola, he'll find the key to unlock this Spurs defence. And I think one man, and I know people are talking about Ilkay Gungadin, and rightly so, but Phil Foden, for me, he's got the world at his feet. He's an exceptional footballer. He's with the right man in Pep Guardiola. I think City and Phil Foden are going to go right to the top this season. Leon Blanche feeling the love for Manchester City this Valentine's weekend. Leon, thank you so much indeed, as usual, for joining us on the show. We'll talk to you again next week. All the best, Jerry. That's a lot for this Friday afternoon. I want to say a big happy Valentine's to you all out there. Have a lovely weekend. Feel the love, give the love, share the love, and make sure you come back and join us for a brand new week of Late Lunch next Monday. Eddie's coming next with The Drive. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. We leave you in the company of Hosier and someone new. Bye-bye. 